All right, everybody, welcome to the Collateral Damage Podcast once again. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Maureen, I believe today we have a, a special guest, and we always have a special guest, but another special guest. Another uh, one. Another one, right, Dominic Esposito. Uh, and yeah. I believe he is going to be here talking about the the spoon, right, the big heroin spoon. Yes, <laughs> such an interesting guy who I feel really fortunate to have gotten to know. Mm. Um, the interesting thing, I think, is that it's not just um, addiction-related art that he does. Right. It's also, um, he does some beautiful sculptures. And I was actually invited to his house, and he had this gorgeous gate that he um that he did welded. I don't know what the right way to say it yeah. is, but created designed. He's, he's, yeah. He's just very, very talented. And he used this to draw attention to the whole opioid crisis because of what was going on in his own family. Mm. And with such a statement that that piece of art is, it's just, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. an impact. It, it, yes. it has an impact, a shock campaign, you know, I mean to, and we talked about this earlier today was, you know, throwing up, um, you know, something so significant to, to start the conversation about a topic where just casual conversation won't do anymore. You know, like just standing out front and yelling about it doesn't have the same impact. You got to you got to shock people. You got to get them talking about it. And I think right. he, uh, using right. his skill set, like you just said, of, you know, just coming up with sculptures and, and being artistic and stuff like that and using that. Right. Like we have our voice. We have our books. We have our services. He has his art. And to use that thing. Uh, to create that conversation, I think was just amazing on his part. And I personally think he's tur- he's brought so much attention to this because all of these lawsuits, um, the protests. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if I think I said before, if mothers crying with pictures of their children that are no longer with us because of this opioid crisis, right. if that doesn't affect you, um, and 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 the the spoon drew attention in mm. ways that we hadn't been able to do before. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people become, you know, they become accustomed to seeing almost, you know, almost expecting it. You know, not that a not that a mother's loss or that um, mm-hmm. you know the crying statement of pain that that family's gone through isn't tragic. But again, people get used to stuff like right. that. You know, you get I mean, immune, numb. Yeah. Right. I mean, you definitely get numb to it. I mean, right. I, I don't even watch the news anymore just because it makes me feel so uncomfortable, um, you know, and, and it's uh, the, the stuff that's on there is just <laughs> terrible. Uh, I know. It seems to be one thing after another and it's just nothing good. So I agree. It's tough to watch. I think I, I, I put the news on for maybe five minutes the other day and I was just watching. I was just standing in the living room getting ready to go to the gym and the news was on. And just they, they them just telling me what was going to be on the news, not even watching it, but just telling me what was coming up in a few minutes made me uncomfortable. I just I just shut the TV off and left. No, I know. I know. Devastating news. And, and I imagine if people are watching it all day long, they are getting they are getting numb. Uh, they are getting desensitized Absolutely. exactly to crying mothers and people who are losing their loved ones. So, you know, anything that's new or different, uh, like what Dominic's done, um, is, is just really, um, it's needed. It's very needed. Well, well, looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So without further ado, here's our interview with Dominic Esposito. Well, Dominic, I really appreciate you being here today. Um, um, when I first we first started talking, I had contacted you because I saw uh, the first produce spoon drop, and um, I was along with everybody else. 
very, yeah, really just excited that somebody was doing something so out of the box because everybody was talking about, you know, people talk about these things. And then I felt like it was slowly getting forgotten. And there were the lawsuits and stuff, but it was like something was missing, like some excitement about doing something about this was missing. And in my opinion, anyhow, it seemed to really, um, you switched gears, made people switch gears and people got excited about the fact that we can do something about this. You draw a lot of attention to that, that particular issue. Um, why is it, what made you do that? What, what, you know, created this, um, this need to go create this giant 800 pound spoon (laughs) and and plop it in front of Purdue? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, Maureen. And thanks, Mike. It's great being here. Um, so, um, yeah, I remember those phone calls. I remember actually the connection that you made with us, Maureen. I think it was literally like that next morning um, I get this text, and then we actually connected on my drive back from uh, Stanford, Connecticut. Um, but, yeah, what, what sort of drew me to this is really out of frustration at the end of the day. Um, and it's a lot of it has to do with my, my brothers and my family's struggle with uh, opioid um, addiction. My brother suffers from a substance abuse disorder, um, and – it's been um, 12 years of kind of pain and heartache, a lot of it that you know, a lot of people have gone through. Um, I've sort of um, taken on this role of really trying to you know, help them, as, as uh, a lot of siblings do, in this sort of sense of hopelessness, right? Um, and so the spoon for me was really kind of a cry for help. It was like a cry, you know, where, where is um, where's the government? Where, you know, and, and, and also, like, who's responsible for all this? And as more, the more and more you do the digging, you realize that, you know, it's really just a handful of people. Um, and it really is a handful of corporations that created this epidemic, um, 20 plus years ago. So the spoon was always meant to be kind of this guerrilla, um, kind of art, um, protest. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, it's also, you know, for me, I sort of now I've sort of describe it more as like dark, ugly truth. Like it's this dark macabre symbol of, of hopelessness really. So it's really kind of pointing fingers at the corporations and, and the people responsible for it. Um, yeah, it's this struggle um, that my family's been through. It's it's not too dissimilar to a lot of struggles um, that uh, people have been through, um, going through um, uh, an opioid addiction. And um, it's, I think it's- that's the one thing you could have created that would just it 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 hurt my heart to look at it, mm-hmm. and and it made made such a point because. That when first they went missing, and then I started to find this the burnt spoons. And we, when she no longer even had enough, she couldn't even hide it anymore. You know, first I was like, "Where are all the spoons going?" And the, then after that, it was the burnt spoons. So when when you see that, it was just like, "Yes, that it's, it just sums it all up." Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly that's what I was going through in my head. It was it, the, the, the sort of the premise for even. The, the concept of, of making this one because you people are like you know how do you come up with these ideas and um, yeah. so it was funny like this has been something and you know, I've, I've sort of been in my head for the last you know close to three years like I would speak to you know friends um, about it I'd be like I want to make this huge 20 foot spoon and they'd be like you're crazy and I would try to have a conversation <laughs> I'm like no, no no let's bring it back and uh, and so funny like I mean I you know I, I would you know this was always my big like sort of um idea and i did a lot of art around this um but for most part this was sort of it and um and i finally you know finally got the courage to actually you know to to, to do it and um that that and you're right uh, maureen it is it's 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 an ugly um 
uh, remembrance of, of what, you know, the struggles we've been through. But that's the point, right? Um, well, it's real. It's it's real. Exactly. Though. You know, I mean, it's a shock campaign. It was it was it did a thing. And, and, and I mean, how did when you put that first spoon out? I mean, what was the what was the reaction? Oh, it was it was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, <laughs> it was nuts. We had, you know, first of all, you know, the police department uh, was there. There was probably close to 12 police officers. But the media was there as well, right? I mean, right. You know, we had the New York Times, Associated Press, Hartford Current. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I'm not sure, whether, you know, all the lawsuits were coming out at the same time. So it really ended up going uh, pretty viral. I mean, we got, you know, millions of posts uh, and shares on <laughs> Facebook. And uh, even to this day, they're still using some of the photos and, in the New York Times and any story that has to do with the opioid epidemic. So it's really become this symbol of the crisis and uh, the place that we find ourselves in right now. Well, it's definitely something that people are sharing. I see it all over Facebook. I see it. uh, You were just recently at the FDA, right? That's right. That was our our last uh, action. It was really, you you see it so much in the press that you think that we're out there all the time, but we've only really had three, um, Three, uh, three actions, right? So we've only, you know, kind of deployed it or dropped it three times. Um, so well, it's we getting, it's getting coverage, though. I mean, it's getting coverage. It's getting oh. shared. It's had, you know, not just an impact on the, the locations that you're bringing it to, but I mean, everybody's seeing it and feeling it. And it's, you know, what I've noticed on 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 our end at least is that it's starting to uh, <clears throat> encourage the discussion. You know, it, it's it's definitely it's it's rallied people. You know, you've got advocates from all over that are showing up to help. I know that. That's right. That's right. I mean, the, the, the other point of it, and uh, this has been more of uh, some of the issue, a lot of what I kind of talk about is really kind of people reaching people outside of the community, Mike, mm. because I think, you know, when you're in and you're battling and you're in, in struggles, you sort of you learn a lot about the, the epidemic, right? You learn about, you know, you know, the therapy, the different types of treatment, you know, you become like an expert in it in right. really quickly because it's survival, right? And um, I think for us to make a bigger impact, it's really it's trying to reach people outside of the outside of our com- community. And we tend to be a little insular in terms of um, um, discussions. Right. So it really is. trying, to, And that's what the spoon does. It really creates this discussion point. Right. So if you see it in, in a paper, you're like, what does a spoon have to do with a pharmaceutical company? Well, it has to do a lot. Right? Good point. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, question. So and, and that's also our mission is is really to kind of bring that out into the open right and i know it's sort of a little bit far away in terms of a stretch to think about it but you think about you know, the aids um epidemic and the hiv crisis that we've had in this country um kind of in the mid 80s right and and uh you know they battled for 10 years before they, you know that community got heard right and, and saw you know changes in legislation with the ryan act and i feel like with the opioid epidemic there's been a lot and ton of community effort you know mm-hmm. so many people so many great people i've met but I think in terms of real impact and trying to get, you know, help and federal government and everything else involved that we really need, I think we're really at the beginning. And- I think so, too. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, we have to normalize the conversation, like you just said. I mean, for something that's killing 70 plus thousand people a year, um, you know, we have to normalize the conversation around it. Like you said, how do you reach the people who aren't normally involved in that conversation. I mean, like, I get it. I'm in this industry, so I meet families all day. To me, this is normal conversation. But to the rest of the country, it's not. And sometimes yeah. it does take a, you know, a shock campaign, so- something to, you know, create that conversation. Like you said, what does a spoon have to do with pharmaceuticals? Well, it starts here and it ends here, you know, yeah. and, and, and all the stuff that happens in between 
is the conversation that folks like yourself uh, and all the other advocates that are out there uh, starting that conversation can have. I mean, it's if you get it on the news, if you get it in the paper, if you get it on Facebook, if it's in someone's feed and they're scrolling through and they see it and they can see the comments and they can see the amount of shares and they can see the, yeah. you know, the heartbreak, then maybe they'll maybe they'll have that conversation. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, and, that, and that's um, I almost do it almost <clears throat> like I'll, I'll you know I'll meet friends for coffee and I'll talk to them about what I'm doing and um, really kind of try to pull them into the community and um, you'd be surprised that people just don't they know nothing about it really I mean you sort of see the headlines and the lawsuits and all that stuff yeah but um, there really isn't a lot of education out there in terms of you know what's happening and I think that's that's part of the messaging too and I would also you know people who are viewing this I'd be I would encourage them to really kind of um, think about, um, you know, if they know a lot about it, almost become like personal kind of education soldiers, right? You're out there really trying to educate people on, mm-hmm. on what it is. Um, I was, you know, after the DC rally, you know, sitting having a, uh, a drink and, uh, there's a couple was next to us and next to me and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, they're like, uh, int- they introduced themselves, you know, and I kind of talked a little bit about my art. And then when I started telling about, you know, the spoon and, um, stuff that I had done, they knew, they knew nothing about the connection. They knew, they didn't, they, you know, they kind of knew that just like everybody else does in this country, they kind of see the headline. It really doesn't go right. a lot. Um, and that's what I try to do is if people that I meet that are outside of our community, I really try to bring them in, in terms of uh, knowledge and education. And I think, yeah, I, you know, I think too, I know you've been doing some things with Nan Golden and, um, and, um, drawing attention to where a lot of the philanthropy, the money that the Sacklers, who are, who are on the founders of Purdue Farmer, where where they put their money to kind of, I don't know, wash their conscience clean. Exactly. <laughs> into, in, yeah. Um, but I know that you've been doing a lot to draw attention to that, too. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I got a, I got a question, a great question by a reporter um, a few weeks ago. And he said, he asked me, he's like, do you think that the Sacklers use their philanthropy to wash their sins? I was like, no, because um, in their own mind, they're not sinning, right? So they would have yeah. to first agree that they're actually sinning, right? So they're not, right? So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's just, that's, you know, the arrogance that we're dealing with here. So I, I think I heard um, recently them advocating for themselves openly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Even, even yeah. in spite of all this stuff. I mean, they don't believe it. Yeah. So, um, the good thing is this: these campaigns against, you know, these campaigns to draw attention to the fact that they're pouring money into medical schools, they're pouring money into these uh, into these galleries, is starting to really make a difference. And we're seeing some of the galleries refusing money, mm. which that's I'm probably, really excited yeah, about that. Yeah, and that's but, been definitely due to you and Ann Golden and people drawing attention to those um, to to where the money's coming from. That's right, right, and it it. it, it it's funny, like people, you know, sometimes you're, you're it's easy to be dismissive of, of, of activists, right? Because, you, you know, you're sitting in your, you know, I can't call, you know, people who are dismissive of them like armchair warriors, right? But, you yeah. know, we're out there. We're, you know, we're raising our voice. And, and I think it's being heard. It's, it really is. I mean, um, you know, the activity that I was, I was part of that um, protest at the Guggenheim um, uh what was it now a month, over a month ago, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which was in, incredible. And within... A week and a half. I mean, they they decided. Was that, was that take, all the spiral stairs and everybody was kind of? Yeah, it, yeah right. I saw that. That was a, that was an amazing um, action by Nan uh, Golden and, um, and, and and all the other. Uh, there was a lot of other groups there as well. Mm. Um, 
and uh, including myself. And then we did, you know, we did the Met. We did other protests together. Um, it really does. It really does help. And um, we're really starting to see it with, with 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 the museums. You have the National Portrait Gallery in mm-hmm. in the UK, the Tate. These are these are the, the most elite uh, museums in the world, right? And, for and them, you're getting them. You're getting them to rethink. Uh, the, the the names and, and and these donations. I mean, you're actually getting them to reconsider uh, whether or not they want to uh, um, uh, expose uh, or, or keep the names up. I mean, some of them are even thinking about taking the names down, right? Yeah. Well, that's part of our mission. I mean, I mean I'm not sure how much how much they're actually listening to me, but but exactly that is our mission. Really, that's that's our. Well, they'll that's listen our... to the masses. They'll listen to exactly. you know if, if enough people make noise about it. Nobody wants that. Uh, nobody wants to be tied to it or connected to it. And I, I think it would be, it would be really hard for them to speak out about why they would keep it, considering everything that's happening. You know, I mean, yeah. they'd have to have a really good reason to want to keep that name up. And, and the reason why it's also important, Mike and, and Maureen, is um, although it may seem like this, these elitist kind of museums, and who cares if they give up the SACMA money? At the end of the day, what's happening is you're sort of dismantling, um, in some sense, you're dismantling the power and the web of influence that um, corporations like Purdue have had over the society, right? So you're shaming them, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a politician or you're a senator who's in the past taken money from opioid producers and you've seen your museum find or your you know big museum start to walk away, we've seen also with you know, the governor of Rhode Island um, give some of those donations that she had received from Sackler um, uh, to charity. So um, you're starting to see that whole web of influence really dismantled, right? Mm. And it's going to mean that they have less... Uh, political influence on on people like the FDA, on on all politicians. Um, so it really does help. It, it, it's the beginning, uh, but it really does help um, uh, in terms of um, really shaming them and shaming people who are taking money from them, um, right. not just museums. Right? Because that's that's the stuff that really makes the difference. Because when you have billions and billions of dollars, it's not necessarily the money, unless all the money is gone, which would take a take a lot to have all their money gone. But it's the um, the reputation and the good right. na- the good name that they you know and their ability to influence when that's taken away. I mean, I know that a lot of people are calling for them to be uh, prosecuted criminally, mm. and I that would certainly make a difference. But I don't think as much as um, you know. The money is needed, but when it at the end of the day, when it's after it's received and it goes through all the channels, not that much goes to treatment anyhow. That's the that's the sad part of it. And um, these this is what's going to keep people in the future from not doing these things if they're criminally prosecuted, if they're not able to get away with their if their reputation is tarnished. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead no, I was going to say. I mean, I, it's I see it as you know almost setting the tone for the next. Uh, a generation of whoever thinks they're going to be the next Sackler family. You know what I mean? Like, yes, maybe this happened for a very long time and it was quiet and nobody picked up on it and nobody made noise about it. And in the, in the shadows, you were able to, uh, you know, create this power, this web of influence nationwide, but that it's not, it's not possible now. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. we can't take back what the Sacklers did and there'll never be enough financial uh, uh, reparation for all the damage the live lost. But you know, enough noise can be made through campaigns like this and people like you, um, you know, to show the next generation of uh, would-be Sacklers that that's not an option, that we as a country won't stand for it, that we won't allow it, and we won't allow you to hide behind, 
you know, politicians and corporations and museums and whatever else makes you think that this is normal and legit because it's not. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's really that's a great point, Mike. And um, we bring that up a lot. It's really this 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 moral hazard. Right. And so so say these guys go to jail. I know, you know, you know, if you're a board member, uh, one of these corporations. Right. And um, and historically, all you did was pay a fine. Who cares? Right. right? I mean, you, you pay your fine. You still get paid. Um, it's not your money anyways, right? Um, I feel like the fines get factored into your, your risk. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's worth, it's worth so, the fine. But, 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 but the question is quite a bit different. If you're a board member and you've okayed some drug that's actually now going to kill people and you end, and, and the Sackler or someone else ended up in jail, that's a different, that's a different question that you're going to ask yourself, right, if you're going to vote on this as a, as, as a board member, right? If I've got the potential to go to jail – that's that's a that's a big difference than just paying a fine, right? So I think yeah. that moral hazard uh, really we kind of have to end it. And you're right. I mean, we're not going to save. You know, we've 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 lost a generation to this, right? We've lost an entire generation. I think it really. Um, do we want to lose another generation, right? Right. So that's why we've got to really step up as a society to make sure things like this corporate greed. Um, well, we have to make it hard for them. I mean, we got to make it hard for them to. You know, you can't. Again, as a society, we've allowed this to happen in the shadows, you know, that nobody spoke about it. Nobody said anything. I mean, these pills were around from when I was using. I mean, these things were everywhere. everywhere. They were everywhere. You know what I mean? And regardless of how they got there, one of the things we used to uh, uh, talk about as, you know, when I was struggling with my addiction, we would say, you know, no matter where you get this pill, the people who made it got paid for it. Like, it doesn't matter if I got it from my doctor. It doesn't matter if I got it from my drug dealer or if I pulled it out of my grandmother's medicine cabinet. It, every single pill consumed was paid for, at the very least, by the, the people who made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they got know, paid I, for it. I think it's important to say, too, that the charge is that they knowingly misrepresented um, the addictive um, nature of the of the drug. And right. that's what that's what the criminal prosecution and what the charges are against against that family and now that um you know there's been lots of evidence to come out that they knew what they were doing and did it anyhow and that that's like the that's the problem that people talk about the sacklers and Purdue, it's because there's evidence that they knew what they were doing and yes not everybody started with the pill but the flooding of the market with all of these pills people became addicted and then when that 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 the pills became too expensive because they were starting to be found out and cut back mm-hmm. then they made a big empty hole where heroin and fentanyl filled in that need and then we have that this is where the opioid epidemic came from mm-hmm. so i think that people get confused sometimes well it was there, you know, these people, you know, it was your choice to take a pill or my child didn't get started with with her with uh, with a pill. It's not about that. It's that they created this market for fentanyl mm-hmm. and heroin by lying about the addictive nature of these pills. And that's what the charge is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard because, um, you know, we get um, sometimes we get a lot of criticism, you know, that we're concentrating on the wrong problem. That was but. What we're really coming after is really kind of, you know, Mike talked about this earlier, right? It was really this moral hazard of making sure that this situation doesn't happen again, right? And people exactly. are accountable for what happened, right? Right. And, and the fentanyl and, and everything else that came on after, that all started, though, with, like you said, more. it all started with, um, with, with these prescription pills, right? And um, mm. 
you think about, I mean, the statistic, you know, that I know is that, you know, 250 million of these um, uh, prescriptions were given in 2012 alone, right? That's enough for every person, close to every person in the U.S. to have a 30-day supply, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Right. I think we take we like take eighty five percent of the um, of the pain medication it come, goes through the United States. And we're like five percent of the pop, world's population. Yeah. I, I know that those stats are wrong, but it, they're close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're probably pretty close. But um, yeah, yeah, and um, it's insane. It. it is. It is. It's insane. And I think um, so. That's really our mission. Our mission, you know, within our, the Opioid Spoon Project is is to be um, is to hold these people accountable for what they've done. And, and so uh, now, are are you getting pushback? So when you show up at these locations, I mean, are you, you know, I know at, at, when you're uh, protesting or something like that. I mean, there's there, there might be a, an antagonist group, somebody who disagrees with you, or there might be lobbyists or representatives from the other side. Do you get pushback at these locations? Are they either the people who, you know, from the the facility or from the location? Is is anybody pushing back, or are they they're really open to receiving you there? Um, it's um, it's been mostly um, online, Mike. So because okay, so of people our, hiding behind a keyboard and, and yeah, saying, because our our um, actions are, are basically nobody really knows we're going to do the spoon drop that okay. day, right? So it's um, it would be really difficult for them to get there. Um, I think if there's something a little bit more public, they may um, come out. Um, it just surprises. So, I mean, who would come out against this? Like, who? who well, that, it's, there's a lot of groups. Yeah, yeah, that, and it's. I think it's mostly that pain lobby, the people that are in chronic pain and and use these okay. drugs, and they may be using these drugs appropriately. And mm. no one wants anybody to be in pain. I don't okay. want anybody to be in pain. Right. It's so. It's it's that's so. There. I think they're misunderstanding the intent. So there's nobody so there's, wants. Their position is that we're vilifying the medication that they use responsibly instead of focusing on the addiction, right? Is that what they're that I'm just trying to figure out what the other side would be saying. That's I just, exactly. Uh, that, so so yeah. that, and we've made it, um, so there's been new CDC guidelines since 2016. Right. Uh, there's this um, uh, patient, um, um, okay, um, where you basically have to, you know, every time, there's a patient database, so people aren't shopping yeah. around to get go to new doctors to get more and more medicine. That's all new. Sure, should be uh, harder to do. <laughs> so, um, well, should, yeah, exactly. That should have been here in the first place, right? Yeah, and, and because well, I mean, these, these aren't crazy laws. I mean, these are the types of changes that should be in effect to prevent abuse, right? I mean, that's not. Right. I can't see this as being unreasonable. I just couldn't fathom. I was trying to picture in my mind. I'm like, you show up to an event like this, and you know, if it was publicized, if it was known that you were going to be there, it just in my mind, I couldn't imagine who the the other group would be that's suggesting that this is the wrong conversation to have or that we shouldn't be holding people accountable who are responsible for countless deaths. I just couldn't imagine who the other side would be. And, I, you know, I didn't think about the pain uh, um, uh, lobby, but, I mean, they definitely they, they have a they have a point from their perspective. Right. I mean, right. Uh, it's, it's gotten harder for them and, and they're looking for someone to blame. And so they're probably blaming addicts for misusing their medication or they're blaming uh, you guys for making a lot of noise about it but wow that's right yeah yeah but not, I mean, no pushback from the facilities though right they're they're welcoming you and mostly yeah, yeah I mean, except mostly. for the, the fda <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they weren't super yeah. psyched about that i don't think but... they were too happy about that no, well, good. i don't think uh i don't think yeah. purdue cared very much for you dropping the spoon in front probably, of them too. probably not yeah but they need that they yeah. need it they need to be held accountable so now you're taking this uh, show on the road, so to speak, right? Yeah, we've. Um, I'm really excited about what we're doing next. Um, and it, 
it's called our we're, we're kind of playing around with the name, but it, but it, but in the end, we, it's the honor the signature tour, really. Okay. Um, and it's great. We're gonna be I'm gonna be on the road personally for about three weeks, starting May 11th. Um, nice. And we're gonna hit the entire East Coast, or at least try to hit every uh, a lot of the cities in the East Coast. Um, okay. And awesome. It'll be a way for um, parents or siblings or or, or or people who've lost loved ones um, to the to the um, epidemic. Uh, to sign the spoon, so oh, wow. it's going to be. Quite... How can people find out where you're going to be? So we started putting some of the sites up. So I would encourage people to go to our Facebook page, um, the Opioid Spoon Project, and um, we we just populated it literally um, this morning. We we just started the campaign Sunday, and the response oh, wow. is I can imagine completely overwhelming, and um, you know people calling us from all over the place um, wanting to get the spoon in their location. That's great. Um, so we've got three venues that we, you know, it starts off May 11th at the 5K, uh, Remembering um, Your Angels um, by Team Sharing. That's in Marlboro, Mass. Um, at oh, 9 cool. o'clock, it's a, it's a 5K run. And that'll be really kind of the kickoff of it. And um, then we've got the you know, Boston Bulldogs um, recovery um, happening mm. May 19th. Um, I'll, in, be, I'll uh, be at both of those events. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to be down in Connecticut uh, at um, uh, the tri-circle um, block party they're doing um, awesome. May 18th. Going to try and be do a lot of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. All these things will start to get finalized. Um, we'll end up in Philadelphia June 7th. So that will hopefully be the end of it, at least this tour. Um, and um, it's going to be incredible because it's sort of, sort of you know, it's sort of um, really um, something I sort of thought about because, you know, we've gotten a, a lot of requests from people to bring the spoon here bring the spoon there and i thought mm. maybe we could create a, a memorial out of it and um, i love it that's awesome that's beautiful really a beautiful thing i'm looking forward to um seeing the start of it that's going to be really something special i think um if you had to like take a look at this whole situation and think what's the one thing you ho- would hope that the whole spoon project what what's one thing you hope it would accomplish um, yeah, I mean, it, if I were to sort of sit like five years from now or even three yeah. years, um, it would be really to kind of bring, um, national awareness to the situation, right. Um, to, to what's going on. And with that meaning, you know, real, um, uh, recovery centers, you know, fix all the incarceration problems, real funding, um, really kind of tackle, um, the epidemic, um, as it is really as a disease rather, rather than just sort of, um, um, as a problem or an issue in our society, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's the bigger, bigger issue. And I think, you know, for us, it's really to, um, to kind of raise empathy and awareness of, the, of what's going on in this country, right? And I think mm-hmm. with that, we'll get um, hopefully legislative changes. We'll get, and we're seeing so much happening at the community level. I, I, I really think we need almost like a kind of like a Marshall Plan, like something that's where you know, like we've got a rollout of a, a huge national. Um, movement um, and um, that 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 would be that's what I, I would want out of what we're yeah. Well, Dominic, the first time I saw that spoon, I had to call you oh, and I had to get in touch with you to, th- to thank you. I did. I felt like I had to say thank you to yeah. you for doing this and um and you know and drawing attention in such a public, uh, uh, motivating way. Yeah. And 
I thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, Dominic. Thanks for all the work um, that you guys are doing as well. It's amazing. Well, it was very nice to have you on. And uh, as I, as you mentioned, I think uh, getting everybody to support this in whichever way they can. And so uh, it's the Opioid Spoon Project, right? That's what they'd want to be looking for on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook and, uh, the website as well. But, okay, uh, great. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely it's it's encouraging on my end. You know, I, I work in a little office here in Beverly, and I work with the families that call me. So I have this this very isolated perspective. I mean, I'm I'm familiar with what's happening, but it's very it's very refreshing to hear um, that there are people like you that are out advocating and doing and saying the things that people like me can't get to, or you know, that the individuals who have struggled that are no longer with us can say. And so I really I, I applaud your effort, and, and I'm really grateful for what you do. So, Thank you. Thanks. Well, I'm looking forward to adding a few names to the spoon, and uh, I will see you on, on May 5th, you said? 11th. 11th. May 11th. 11th. May, the day before Mother's Day. That's right. Out there in Marlboro. Yes. So. Very nice day to start that. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was, a great, that was a great interview with Dominic. He... Um, you know, at, like we were talking about before the podcast, you know, his his shot campaign and his passion and his heart. I mean, what, he's making a new sculpture every time. Like he is, he's just, he's killing it. This is great. Right. Just yeah. really determined to do this. He is, he is. I mean, the Opioid Spoon Project, they, I mean, he's got this, uh, what is it? The Honor Signature Tour that starts on May 11th. Right. And where is, is it? This? A, oh, it's a 5K in um, Marlboro. That is to benefit team sharing and team sharing is an organization that helps uh, families after they've lost somebody. So it's a support okay. group for, for people who have lost somebody due to a overdose. So they're going to do a five. So the, the actual location that they're starting this tour and this tour goes yeah. from uh, looks like New Hampshire all the way down to New York. Um, and this starts in, in but it starts in, in Marlboro. Yeah, okay, the, maybe, the 67 Fitchburg six, yeah, Street okay. in Marlboro. So Early on May 11th. I so maybe it starts in Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> it's a short I'm looking at the map. The map yes. Yeah. Well, no, the, the map The map looks like it goes all the way up in New Hampshire, but we're going to go ahead and say it starts at 67 Fitchburg Street, Marlboro, Mass, um, on May 11th, and it goes through till June 6th and goes all the way down into what looks like New York. But, um, yeah. again, I'll let, you, I'll let you look at that. At, uh, right. Opioid Spoon Project is the Facebook page. And uh, let's see. Okay, so tickets are available at Racewire, uh, second annual Remembering Our Angels oh, that's, 5K. Yeah, that's for the okay, 5K. So, so if you want to do the 5K, uh, it starts at 9 a.m., and it looks like you can get tickets right there or at least sign up right there on their Facebook page, which is pretty cool. I'll be there signing books. You will. Fantastic. I will. Nice. I will. And uh, the opioidspoonproject.com also has additional information. So, So your book... Your book, If You Love Me, A Mother's Journey Through a Daughter's Opioid Addiction, right? That's right. Yes. So now you're going to be bringing copies with you? Well, actually, Barnes & Noble is, gonna, um, oh, is going nice. to be there, and I'll be okay. signing. And uh, Ryan Hampton will be there signing his book. Great. Um, so there'll be a whole bunch of people there. That's fantastic. Well, if you're interested, those are both great books. I like your book especially, but those are both great books. Uh, and I think that uh, you know all the information that people can get, uh, different perspectives, right? So your book is, your perspective is from the mother's side of watching her daughter go through this, and Definitely. just how yeah, heartbreaking it's... it is to, you know, it's right in the title. If you loved <clears throat> me, if 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 you could just stop this thing, please. And you know the. 
uh, how far you go as a parent trying to get her to um, to change her way. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely from my perspective. It's from the family's perspective. It's interesting because it's the same story over and over again. Everybody I talk to, I have all these people that come to me and tell me, you told my story. Mm. Like That's because it's kind of everybody's story. My mother just so, finished your book. That's what she had, said. <laughs> she had, said it's just it was about a girl. <laughs> yeah. I know because yeah. we all think we're unique and we all think we're we all isolate and think mm-hmm. that nobody could possibly be going through this nightmare and it couldn't possibly be that bad for anybody else. And then we find out that we all have very, very similar stories. Of course. Of course. I think it's like addiction when you say, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I felt like I was the only one going through what I was going through until I started talking with people and realized that just wasn't true. Right. And, you know, I guess that's it's you know i wrote my book to try to get through to the people who had my experience so they didn't feel alone you wrote your book book loving lions (laughs) (laughs) thank you for drawing that out of me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i wrote my book to make sure that people who were going through what i was going through didn't feel alone and i know that you wrote your book for the same and most of the people out there right now there's a lot of there's a lot of authors out there right now who are doing a great job of bringing this story to light and all the different perspectives that are available. And so, you know, I encourage anybody that's going to come out and join Dominic's tour or participate in the 5K right. to show up and get a copy and get it autographed. Because isn't it worth right. like somewhere between the cost of the book and like a million dollars after Just you about, sign it? Yeah. Somewhere in the oh, middle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no and problem. And so you definitely want to get it now <laughs> while they're still affordable. And, uh, <laughs> and you know i would love even if if you've already read the book if you yes. don't want to read the book if yeah. you're at the 5k please come up and say hello to me right right um, absolutely i love this uh, whole idea of you know what he's doing just because it just brings attention mm-hmm. and um hopefully will bring um a little bit of enlightenment to people that you know, didn't understand before so. mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, we all do this. We all use our talents and our skills to try to raise awareness, to try to bring uh, the conversation to the table. You know, again, you and I are using our voice. He uses his art. Uh, and I'm really glad that he was able to join us. It was a very nice interview. It was insightful. I got to see into his little workshop there. Uh, yeah. It's not even that little. It's actually very nice. It's a very no, nice workshop. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've seen a couple of videos on Facebook where he shows uh, kind of behind the scenes of what he's doing, creating these um, these sculptures. And, you know, what goes into it exactly? And then he's really yeah. driven by his own personal experience and what, you know, what he had to go through as a family member of. And, you know, it's very nice that he was able to come on and share that with us today. And his story, it, it meant a lot to me to hear that story. And like I say, every time we have someone on, I, I really enjoy learning from our guests, which I yeah. was able to do today. I so. agree. All right. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode of Collateral Damage. Uh, as always, if you'd like to find out uh, find out all the different ways that you can listen to our podcast, you can visit our website, which is www.cdpodcast.com. There are many different ways to, to, to listen and subscribe, and we encourage you to choose the one that's most appropriate for you. And as always, I would encourage our listeners to get informed. Stay connected. Thank you for joining us.